0: The title of today's Dharma talk is Save All Beings, which is a an expression that is part of the 16 precepts or jukai that we receive if we come, receive lay ordination in this particular lineage. It also ties into the bodhisattva vow or the, the vow that the, that the bodhisattva takes in order to take care of others, put others before yourself. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, actually uh, with all the precepts if you were just to be able to just observe that vow completely all the time the rest of the vows could dissolve into that one because you would be just looking out for the welfare of others not based on your opinion not even based on their opinion based on perception you just perceive you perceive an apparent other and at the same time if you are training the mind you will also perceive a reality as it actually is. We have to start somewhere. So we begin by receiving that vow. I, I vow to be with all things. I vow to save all beings. It's just a, you might call it a promise. You might call it just some way of talking about it where you're moving all the priorities of ego and self-centeredness and me, me, me and my stuff and my ideas and how wonderful I am or even how terrible I am. That's another more subtle form of egocentrism, or manifestation of the seventh consciousness of the klesha mind or the confused mind. <clears throat> it's really difficult because uh, quite often there are people that we look at various people we know, like knows uh, idea of uh, after dinner everyone saying who's your favorite relative might. Uh, been interesting to see who is your least favorite. <laughs> see who that is? Because that's probably the being you need to save. And when I say save, I don't mean interfere with them. I'm saying meet them where they're at. And how do you meet them where they're at? You see where they're at. You see beyond your pre- preconceptions about them and actually see where they're at. It is possible. It may be impossible, or at least more difficult if you have not first met yourself where you're at. and How do you do that? Of course, our traditional way of doing that is sit down, look at the wall, and see what is happening. See who you are. Just sit down and make friends with yourself. If you have not made friends with this, if this is still disturbed, if there's still a couple of fists coming together down here, maybe not apparent to others, if those are happening, going to be very difficult, no matter how strong your philosophy is to come out and just put others first, because there will always be, or maybe quite often there will be kind of a, what do they call it, a hidden agenda behind you. You're doing this, but really your motivation is to appear like someone who's helpful. It's a big waste of time. It might get you some good press. Of course, we know about that. That won't last. So you could just start with one person, your worst relative, or someone that really has Made life difficult for you. We all have one, maybe two, maybe a whole herd of them. So uh, sometimes I'm, I'm asked, you know, and as with someone who's having difficulty with a, you know, a spouse or or or, or a neighbor or a friend or that has turned sour, which sometimes friendships do that occasionally, but some difficult interaction with another. And I've talked to quite a few people in here uh, off and on about those kinds of things. Picking on anyone at all. I I just had plenty of examples myself being one who has been robbed and uh, Swindled. Maybe I should just complain about that for a while get that off my chest So it's difficult when we see that when we feel someone is not someone is just whenever around them or just uncomfortable around them So I'm saying just as a meditation action, which I don't do much teaching on meditation action But I'm saying see uh, take take uh, uh, take some uh, uh, possession or some, we call it control, although it's not exactly that, it's more like the timing, is f- see when you're going to be talking to that person next or interacting or be with that person and limit the time. Limit. I mean, uh, someone's very difficult, and sometimes we can't do that. But if you can, look at your watch or count your breaths or something, but be with them for whatever you can handle and still be kind and generous and understanding. Listen to me when I say this. you hear hearing? Lie. I'm not going to hear that out of many Buddhist monks. If it's to save all beings, as I said, transcends everything. Tell them it would probably uh, make their, their frontal lobe droop. You've seen that before, it kind of covers up the nose. You say to them, A lie. Say, how have you been? You don't really give a shit out of them, oops, <laughs> I swearing. I apologize for swearing, trying not to swear on Tell them, uh, say something, ask them, and when they respond, well, what do you mean? They might be kind of taken aback. Lie. Say, I know you've been having a rough time. I told you you are having a difficult time, and just was wondering if things are getting better for you. Just a little bit. It doesn't have to be much, and then and then leave. Say. Oh, got to get going, even though you have no place to go. But limit the time so that you can actually, while you're there, you can exercise that the generosity that probably everybody in here has some idea of how, how important that is. It's so difficult. So uh, as uh, uh, the Dzogchen Mahasandhi Master, what's his name? Dzong uh, Tsar Rinpoche. As he said, just save one being. <laughs> just say one. Find one. Save them. Be with them. Love them. Care for them. You first have to relate with the the the, the elf or whatever it is, or the the um, dark areas. Those little guys inside of our consciousness, where somebody's come along and has attached a raccoon to a bat. You know about those, right? Where did that come from? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say sometimes we run into aspects of our own personality, our consciousness, uh, deep consciousness that are strange or odd or or frightening. And I would say, please make friends with that. How do you do that? Don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. Don't accept it as by explaining what it's there for or explaining it away. As soon as you just start to describe something, you actually have abandoned it. So make friends. Find some way to re- resonate with those deep, dark areas. Please don't try to fix them. From the point of view of these teachings, chenpo uh, or Zogchen, for the great perfection, there isn't anything to fix. That's your realization. There isn't anything to fix. This doesn't mean that you won't go through times that are difficult or go through times that are where you look like, oh, people need a lot of, everybody needs to be hauled into the, Repair shop. That's part of the great perfection, to see the complete terrible situation that's happening and realizing this is completely unique and not separate. If you think about it all day long, as it says in the the 30 verses of uh, Vasubandhu, or can anybody quote that, where he's saying that just thinking that everything is perception only is not exactly perception only. Actually, I have to see perception only. And then if you see it, you'll be tongue-tied, you won't be able to, you won't be able to, you won't even remember that that's what the Basabanda has already told you about that. You'll see, you'll understand, you'll see this, and you'll be tongue-tied, or you'll be perhaps paralyzed because the ego mind can't handle that kind of information. So the ego just goes, no, no, I'm not doing that. That's why this path is so hard. Leave now, because if you keep listening to this old man, your ego's in big trouble, (coughs) (laughs) That's how you lie. (laughs) My favorite line. What what am I saying when I say, leave now or you're, you're in big trouble? I'm just saying this is difficult. If you want to do this, it can be done. You can actually do this, but you're going to have to meet yourself where you're at before you're going to be able to meet others where they're at. And I'm not saying that that couldn't be happening at the same time, or there can be some kind of play going back and forth where you're dealing with one part of your negativity. Everything you see is a perception and everything you see is a projection. If you think you see something else, uh, you don't. But do you see the great perfection? You see everything is completely perfect. And this does not validate someone killing someone else, or beating someone else, or leading a whole country into war. The thing that needs to be seen is it is dependently arisen. It is dependently arisen. You can't have this sound without this tabletop, without this wooden stick, and without this hand, and without this intention, and without this teaching, and without the ears that are hearing this sound, and the eyes that are seeing this movement, dependently arisen. Everything is like that. Everything is one thing striking another. Everything, everything, without exception. You find an exception, you're being deceived by your own hope and fear. We're afraid to see this. Ego is oh, I'm not really ready to do this. And you could be threatened on many levels. You could be threatened on the level of your your pride. You could be threatened on the on the, in the area of your of your not wanting anyone controlling you. There's just so many ways in which that occurs. And we the teach from the teachings uh, going back centuries, the Tibetans actually saw how really difficult this is going to be for anyone to actually do this, to actually accomplish this understanding. And so therefore they, and I wasn't there, I didn't figure it out, I didn't participate in it, but, but the way it looks to me, having practiced that quite a bit, sometimes you need a really strong set of forms that you need to be immersed in before you can come out and see emptiness. Emptiness is not actually empty of uh, like nothing there. It is empty of your projections. It is empty of what you thought it was. It's em- empty of your opinions about it. Someone who has realized has no opinions. And if they do, they don't last long. They might come up and some, uh, someone might realize, see that they're actually believing something and what happens there in that kind of a mind, they're just, they can't last in that kind of sunlight. <clears throat> Save all beings. Pick one. Save them. What do we mean by saving them? Or uh, same thing as be with all things, I say over and over again, sit down on the cushion, take up this uh, symmetrical posture, which is the only thing, only say still so you have about the mind is your body, which is your mind. Correct? Then we have a really deep conversation about that. So you hold this symmetrical posture and eventually, you could say it this way, it isn't exactly like this, but the the consciousness itself, the awareness starts to take this shape and it's very much receiving the world. It receives, receives, receives until there's nothing left to receive. What is this? Realization. Because one sees that anything that is happening is not separate from who you are. The way the 16th Kamapa, Ron john rick Dorje said, on his deathbed in 1981 in Chicago, was nothing happens. Very simple statement, <clears throat> but those listening to him at, the time, at that time were so moved by that statement that for a few years you saw bumper stickers around: nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then, of course, that kind of glue doesn't last. So they peel off. And when that happened, then people say, well. Well, that happened. <laughs> so you can always come up with an argument. You can always come up, you can always find, as long as we're talking about relative truth, you can always come up with some, an egoism and has an incredible attorney called the seventh consciousness. I like it, I don't like it. It's good, it's bad. It'll help me, it won't help me. It's that kind of a jockeying for position, trying to find, this is the title of Chogyam Trungpa, my first teacher, Chogyam Trung, Trungpa Rinpoche's book, one of his first books, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, the practice of actually practicing in such a way that you're cutting through the tendency to turn the spiritual path into some kind of self-gratification or some kind of accomplishment practice. Other questions? So again, meeting first we have to we have to actually perceive that it's over there. Look at the perception itself rather than try to use Thought process to remold the, con- the the awareness. The thought process wants to go in and go around the awareness and take charge, it's like a fence around a uh, football field, taking charge. Yes.
1: Seeing that over there, how do we trust ourselves and receive authority?
0: Surrender, give up. And I rarely use that word. Surrender, give up. No more warfare. Lose. Don't I have a calligraphy that says "lose the war" around here somewhere? Lose the war, lose it. But we, you know, we don't know if we should. Maybe later I'll do that. Right now, I just need to see what the hell's going on here, so I know. <clears throat> but if I can't trust the teacher, the guru, I've been hearing some really bad rumors about the teacher. Perhaps you have the wrong teacher. Maybe you need to go to a more advanced teacher, or maybe you need to go back to a just. Let's go back to the Hinayana path. Yes.
1: If the teacher is doing something that irritates us or that maybe we are questioning, how do we know if we need to continue to just look at that or bring it up with the teacher?
0: So I sometimes say don't do anything unless you have to because I just think it's helpful if you see some options or if you see choices, don't buy into that stuff. There aren't any choices. You either know or you don't know. And if you don't know, then don't do anything. And if you know, then do that. It's not really a choice other than, it's kind of dressed up like one. So, again, just you just have to look at it and do I have to do that? Do I, need, do I understand this well enough that I don't need to do this? Or do I, do I really I really need to talk to this? It might be good to talk about it before you get so locked into what you think that you it's not even up for discussion. And then you just tell the world what you're going to do. You've just cut your ties with the teacher. You follow me? So, uh, it's not... In this situation, the teacher is not the it's an awareness practice. It's not an obey the teacher practice. On the other hand, if you if you come to someone and they're your teacher and you want help from that person, then you have to I usually say give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't have to trust them implicitly. You still have your own intelligence more. Sheldon How do we how do we save all beings without there being some agenda so I think uh, you know we're here and usually there's agendas are all over the place we got to do this got to do that need to get this done get that done need to go to a funeral need to go to a wedding need to go to a reunion we got all those and what, all that's being said is just like with the awareness practice prioritize the awareness rather than the thinking process we, we want that we're not getting rid of the thought patterns, the ideas, but we're just we're just going to move it out so we we see what we see what is in front of us rather than me. we see what we think is in front of us because this is what people are doing they're looking at something and there's a split second where they actually see what it is they cover it up they don't want to see that they'd rather keep that person up I almost swore sorry they'd rather keep that person an enemy so you may have to work with it sit more <laughs> sit more I mean. Find some time, and you don't, don't even call it medi- meditation. Call it cheese and crackers. Change the name of it every day. Cheese and crackers today, yep, two hours. No one will know what that post-it note means. <laughs> <laughs> cheese and crackers for two hours. You know, In the name, it shows you how attached we are to names. As soon as we name it something, something locks down where all investigation ceases. Don't stop investigating anything. Take nothing for granted. Don't believe a word I say. How many times have I said that? That's an interesting um, statement. Yes.
1: How is lying being genuine?
0: So you're you're not you're not lying on the on behalf of your own um, self promotion. Your you you know it's not helpful to tell someone who's already tumbling around uh, in their own horrible mess of confusion, ripping at their own insides without even knowing it and then blaming others it's not helpful to that person at that time uh, to to uh, be uh, uh be direct about what's happening it might be better to say it looks like you're having a lot of difficulties or anything i can do to help you and they might come back with you know i can't even say it because i can't swear but they might come back very aggressively and be really upset with you you're even bothering to ask them they know you hate them or they, maybe you don't but they might be projecting it on everything so it's it's kind of a lie, and you've heard me uh, giving another teaching where I say everything you say is a lie. You can't you can't say ultimate truth, and only point it out. And even that's risky. So if you're clear, and if you're no longer your motivation is is, is to help others, to save all beings, to be with all things, with out of your heart, not out of your gut, not out of your head. This thinks, uh, this feels. What does this do? Go ahead. It's love's. I'm not talking about the organ that pumps the blood.
1: More. If um, Talking about lying for benefit. If you're feeling inside something different than, how can I help you? How, how will that not feel condescending for the recipient?
0: You, it is not none of your business how the recipient feels. That's that's that projection. So it's none of your business. Your only your only business is to save all beings, and be with all things. You're a physical therapist. You're meeting people all the time who are doing this. Some people you meet are it's like they're they decided uh, three years ago they're going to kill themselves by not taking care of their body or doing terrible things, you know. And you have to meet them where they're at. That doesn't mean accuse them, even though you see what they're doing. Uh, not good timing to start talking to them about that. That would be. That, because that would not be considerate about all the horrible, difficult things that probably got him into that situation where they're making such a mess of things. So it wouldn't be condescending. And I'm not talking about uh, some kind of a lie. Uh, the, the lie has to, that kind of a lie isn't actually a lie. You know, it's, it, but it's not, it wouldn't fit up relatively with the, with the, with the relative situation of, of uh, the way the world values or devalues things or judges things or blames a lot of people just blame the person, but look, you're doing it to yourself. That's not a good thing to say to somebody who's spinning around in suffering. You're just doing this to yourself. That's more about you wanting to be superior to them, whether you know it or not. Don't do it. Bless is better. One of the things that you can do uh, when you meet someone like that, uh, someone in a difficult situation, if if you can't, if you don't understand yet how to lie in a way that's fundamentally going to be helpful, Don't say anything, don't do anything. Just use your body language. If if, if you can tell people are looking for feedback and paranoid people are especially looking for anything, the slightest bit of negativity. So they can start to blame you. I can see what you're doing. And people who are very skillful at that can actually, if you don't have clarity about who you are, you can be drawn into that and start feeling, uh, if you're not clear about who this is, then you can be seduced into their confusion like getting too close to a tornado so it seems to be necessary to do it at the same time bodhicitta or the mind of awakening to work with this work with this work with this work with this and then when you meet others limit your time so that when the time you spent and of course in your situation you might have to spend 45 minutes with somebody Uh, but you know you can can, I think you understand what I'm saying that. yes further question
1: I could see, um, more not saying anything if the feelings are in conflict with what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. But sometimes to say something quite opposite, once in a while. I don't
0: know. Let's put it this way: just consider it. Consider that here's a person that is low on your list as far as wonderful people, and uh, and look and look at that situation and look at the. I mean, aside, if you can, aside from the kind of discomfort they're causing you just by being in the same hallway. But look at that, just you know, change your attitude and relax into it. Just change your attitude. Use your imagination. Lie to yourself. Be creative. This is what your imagination's for. It's for that. You could actually do that. And you could, you could tell yourself in your own mind, not to you, I'm looking at the Buddha. I'm looking, I'm looking at the truth. I'm looking at a manifestation of reality. This is my. This is a teaching to me. It's a teaching for me. It's not something for me to get irritated with and uh, and shuffle on out of the house and complain to my dog about it. You you probably wouldn't complain to Casey too much with you.
1: More? Yeah, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. Thank you. Appreciate the question. Other questions, please? Yes, sir.
1: Can you talk more about ultimate truth and saving all sentient beings? (laughs)
0: So ultimate truth there's a practice in uh, Tisha 7 points of mind training where uh, it, it talks about uh, the ultimate nature about and it's uh, uh, one of one of the teachings there is rest in the uh, in the nature of alia and alia is the is the base consciousness so just rest in the open space that is uh, arising rest there uh, another one is uh become a child of illusion so that you you don't you don't run away from everything, but you see the unreality of everything. You become a child of this illusion. you actually become innocent. I mean at the same time you know all kinds of things are going on that you could jump on or judge or whatever, but you you just stay in that sense. Ego does not like that kind of openness it would re- it, uh, ego prefers a broom closet where all your post-it notes are on one wall. Your cell phones and this thing in your laptop is uh, not in your lap, but sitting on a shelf that you just recently painted to cheer yourself up. Not you, of course. <laughs> and then it goes on from there out to someone who has all that stuff, but they have it in the middle, middle of, uh, to use another metaphor, have it in the middle of an open field. They have it in the middle of a, a vast open space. They actually work with the same thing, but they, they don't have the... The claustrophobia that drives self-centeredness crazy and causes it to go into, as my, Trung, my teacher Trungpa Rinpoche, would referred to in the Shambhala teachings as a cocoon, to cocoon to get yourself protected from everything. And so ultimate truth, you have relative truth, cause and effect, up and down, back and forth. And then relative truth or ultimate truth is uh, to have to use some kind of relative situation. You can't even talk about it. It's just, it's the nature that is not separate from all the relativity. So you can't, you see it in the yang and yin symbol of the the white uh, teardrop shape and the black one with the dots in each one. It's just a a kind of a symbol to say, not separate. And if you were to see it uh, in a a graphic, that's kind of what it would look like. You can actually understand it, it won't, uh, it won't, uh, if you understand, if you see this, if you, you know, you won't, you won't necessarily stop suffering. Uh, You won't stop, uh, start anything. Nothing actually happens. His Holiness was not uh, lying for our benefit. He was pointing at on his dead bed, bed, but on his deathbed, saying, "Nothing happens." And then, what? You could also think of it as a statement: "Nothing happens." Kind of transcendental humor. Yes.
1: How will we know if we're potentially <coughs> helping someone?
0: Well, you won't. You don't need to know. You don't need to get credit. You don't need to get gold stars. You don't. Need, you don't need it.
1: Will mm-hmm. we know if we're them somehow probably
0: <laughs> <laughs> more than likely <laughs> they might like even tell us sometimes when you're endeavoring to help someone because of the spinning nature of the mind they will they and the ego does not want to look at this so you you have a it's your Buddha nature that's looking for itself but the ego wants to get on board because the ego wants to be there too the ego wants to I, I won't cause any trouble just let me be in on the, this enlightenment thing. It sounds pretty good. I'm I'm right with you on this. I just want to go in that in that door with you. Not going to happen. At least that's not the way it looks over here. So uh, very simple. Put put others before yourself. If, if you really are doing that, and really are putting others before yourself, you you won't need any feedback because to fundamentally uh, do that completely is to see that you're actually helping yourself. You're not separate from anyone. It's an astonishing thing to run into. Sometimes it's like running into a brick wall or a wall of marshmallows. Yes?
1: So feeling um, helpless when interacting with someone? Is that an indication I should keep doing what I'm doing? Yeah.
0: Feeling helpless with someone is just... Helpless is just space that you would like to fill up with solutions and ideas and feelings of feeling of strength and the feeling of being somebody. And having your proverbial, uh, what do they call that, that needs to be together, that other word they used. Oh, here it is. So, yes, that's, that's difficult because we don't really want to, we don't like that feeling. We want out of there. But feelings are pleasure, feelings of pain and pleasure look like two different things. Look closer.
1: Cool,
0: <laughs> <laughs> get it (laughs) so what am i saying i'm saying just whatever's arising no matter how terrifying how horrible how painful how well you know it's like we're saying in our minds ear we're saying well this might be this but this is really i can't just let i can't can't let this go i've got a lock and load you know i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do something about this when that kind of thing comes up well, you could be, it could be past, the, well, they say the tipping point, so it could be, but also with a powerful awareness practice where you've just sat on a cushion for years and prioritized what? Just see it. Just hear it. Just smell. Just taste. Just touch. Just think. Simple. Then, when you get into that kind of a whirlwind, uh, you begin to see the space there. It's risky because it's risky, it feels risky because it's risky to ego, but it's more risky You listening? Much more risky to die without realizing what this is. Realize what it is. Before you die, find out who you are. This is the the path of the Buddha will help you do that. There are probably other paths. I don't know about those. Probably are. Find out who you are. You don't want this body-mind to collapse with the same passion, aggression, and ignorance that you, you just don't want to look at. Or you'd rather judge or blame or something. Find out who it is. Find out who you are. Find out what that is as it says in the first reminder. First contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored. What's the rest of it? Difficult to
1: gain and easy to lose. Now I must do something new.
0: Difficult to gain. We don't know how we got here. There's no person here that said, yeah, about 80 years ago, I thought I'd be a human being. And then I couldn't make up my mind whether I wanted to be a a cat or a human being. And then finally, I just, I thought, what the hell, I just flipped a coin. First contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored. Being free... To even come to such a meeting as this. This is an outlandish thing. So you notice this place is really crowded. And there's probably five people watching here. Five of my friends. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> no, my mom's passed on. My mom's watching me all the time.
1: Can you describe the difference between obedience and devotion?
0: Yes. Uh, obedience is... Uh, it's very separate and it's obeying out of fear or the want- desire to be approved of or the desire to belong. Uh, this is why people join the military. I-, I saw that. I spent four years in the Marine Corps, as you know. I know what it's like to obey. Better obey, or they'll lock you up and <clears throat> beat you up. But devotion comes out of this, it comes out of your heart. So it's not, it's just something you're doing that is, you're just surrendering, just surrender into that space. For for one person, devotion is uh, you know love letters to the guru maybe, and to another person that's they uh, never even talk to the guru they just or the teacher they just practice and practice and practice. That was mine. My teacher, my first teacher especially, you couldn't get a hold of him because he had hundreds and hundreds of students. By the time he died, he had thousands. So my the only thing I knew was just do what he said. So that you could say that might have looked like obedience to others. But it wasn't really obeying. It was just, he said, sit a lot. I did. He also said, he didn't say much, but what he said, I carry it with me everywhere. He said when I would tell him how terrified I was of seeing what this is. Afraid, terrified. What did he say? You can do it. That's all he said. What did he do? He met me right where it, where I was at. Not n- Nothing extra. Just, he could see what was happening. I felt totally transparent in front of him. Uh, I never wanted to leave him. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Butcher. <you're... laughs> I didn't know what mudra to use for that. I had to have a 21-year-old tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes if I think of, uh, because, uh, it's not because uh, i miss him uh, kind of but it's more like a, a gratitude you know i'm just so grateful to have met him further questions yes
1: um talking about trump uh, you know reading his teachings hearing you talk about and he had very profound teachings that seemed immensely helpful Yes. and continue to be but it sounds like in the community things got pretty nutty yeah so you said um you only met two awake people that you know. Yeah. Oh, and
0: no, I'm not saying there wasn't a lot more. Yeah. I think His Holiness the Sixteenth was. And probably the seventeenth Karmapa is also awake. Just that's how I feel about him. And probably this person I just quoted is more than likely awake. I did meet him. Uh the song are go ahead.
1: So someone who's awake, like say Trumpa for instance, and it got kind of nutty at the end. Is the awakened person not separate from their karma or anyone? Have any areas unseen that could cause harm?
0: Well, harm is the very nature of samsara. According to the Buddha, the first thing the Buddha said, as far as we know, is life of suffering. That's not a particularly good advertisement for his teaching. Because people immediately go, I'm not going to study with that nihilist. He thinks life is suffering. Of course, it's about suffering, but all of there's also all this ganja. <laughs> <laughs> Should I have a further question about the craziness?
1: So, in that instance, when things are getting crazy in that song or whatever in mm-hmm. your mind or whatever your situation, how do you meet that where it's at? Just like
0: he did it. He, he met everything where it was at, and that meant that his own welfare, his own reputation, was totally sacrificed over and over and over again. I saw him do it, I saw him meet people where they were at, and it looked like it might look like to somebody else who was projecting on it that he was manipulating somebody, or uh, I didn't see that. I saw that he he totally functioned. It's like he wasn't there, and he was taking on the karma of everyone who was there. That's what he did for me. I feel that way. So, uh, but people would project onto that. If you read uh, the nineteen seventy-five Harper's magazine about the, the terrible um, retreat at uh, what is now Shambhala Mountain, It used to be a Rocky Mountain Dharma Center. Where everything went awry. I think it was there. Maybe it was somewhere. Somewhere it was a seminary. Pretty crazy. Sounded pretty crazy when you read it in a magazine. But I wasn't there. But people I know were there. Different kind of story. So there's always going to be room, as we've been talking about recently. especially like with this uh, Me Too movement, that brings up brings up a whole lot of things that really need to be looked at, and brings up a lot of things that are uh, might be. Different than people think they are. What do we do? We'll fight with anything. Don't join. Don't reject. Don't look away. Those are the three poisons. The three ways we get ourselves in trouble and keep ourselves spinning is we grasp at it, we reject it, or we shut down or ignore it. And we get taken in our own personal tornado or anyone we get close to. Sheldon. In the circumstance that we're in a situation where we're in danger we may need to free ourselves from that danger in order to save other people that are also in danger how do we know that we've saved this being enough so that we can save all of them well this uh, simple metaphor for that the same thing is to is to train your mind i sometimes say for people who want to go out based on their rage towards the world which you can there's all kinds of things to react, react to and I'm not saying you should take your eyes off and ignore it or just stay in your cage because you don't like the bothersome things that are happening on the news. I would say look at it, keep it in the, keep it in your viewfinder but, but don't necessarily push on it or pull on it or do much with it. Unless you have to you might have to, your karma might move you at a time of maybe a completely inopportune time for your family where suddenly you feel like I've got to go and where those Indians are trying to protect the, the water in their land. You might have to do that. Or or you might just look at that and look at that. But the very important thing that I've talked about before, before you go out and take your unexamined aggression into an area where there's just tremendous amounts of aggression and very easy to to get hooked into that aggression and be, uh, be included in a war that you wouldn't have had to have gone into, is first, find, see the aggression here, and first bring this war war to an end. The image I use for that is two fists in your gut going like this. I hate it. I hate it. I don't like this. I don't. It could be against yourself. It could be against someone else. Uh, any number of kinds of things, and it's like that. And but the sitting practice of meditation, you do enough of it. It seems that this is what happens is that this kind of thing needs some kind of pushing or pulling or thinking or manipulating or something in order for it to keep spinning It actually feeds off from the energy of pushing the energy of pulling and the energy of slamming the door shut every time it comes in slam the door slam the door slam the door, slam the door. don't look don't look don't look don't look now distract yourself into you know uh, Netflix and Fritos, <laughs> simply put sounds good so uh, so don't take the unexamined aggression out. That's very sensitive, and that can get triggered. Maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you just feel love and peace, and you just want to help. But you might go out, and there's a lot of aggression going around, and you've not, you know, you you're not at the end of your your powerful hatred. Or maybe you don't even know what it's for. It will find that, and it will include that energy. It's like a, um, there's all kinds of metaphors for that. When you get too close to something that's spinning, you're going to be drawn into it. It's like a time sink or a space sink or something. It's just, it just it's like a, a sand lion. You know what a sand lion is? It's a little tiny bug that sits down in the sand and makes a little little, you know, little funnel that comes down. An ant comes up to the edge. It moves the sand and moves the ant down and they eat them. I'm not really for or against those. <laughs> <laughs> Very aloof. So the idea is... Uh, and it's a very simple idea. If you go out into an area where there's a lot of war, sometimes you can feel it just a little bit, just watching television or, or watching two people fight or argue about something. It's just like we want to take sides or we or we feel like we've already taken sides. And then, of course, that just adds more, you know, more hot molten lead to the situation. But if you can observe this for a while, what happens, it starts to look like this. And maybe it'll be different with you. But it's like one of the fists stops. The other one just keeps going, and just the momentum of the anger has to wear down without being objected to. So, if you go if this if this goes to war with that, then it's just a perpetual motion. But if if you can sit and just observe, just observe, just the observer quality of the awareness starts to draw the, the 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 spaciousness that is necessary for that part of the mind that is knotted up in itself and has some kind of a of a mind Kampf happening, which could come from another lifetime. We don't know. could come from anywhere. Sit whole still, very, very stoic, unless something itches. Yes.
1: You used the analogy earlier of a tornado. <clears throat> if we have, mm-hmm. uh, if we're not clear, or we have unexamined negativity, and we get close to a tornado, we're going to get sucked up into it. Good. What happens if an enlightened person gets close to the tornado?
0: Good question. What would you say? I don't know. you become the tornado? That's close. That's close. Want me to help you? You were the tornado before you got there. You were the tornado. You were the tornado. Yeah. what he said. <laughs> yeah, what happens is uh, because of the perception that you get close to that, the one who is uh, realized uh, may go into it, they may walk right through it. They may walk through, they may walk into it and uh, walk into the stand in the center. They may get t- taken up. They, they don't mind. And this doesn't make them a martyr because there isn't anyone to be a martyr. There's no solid being anywhere. That you're, you, know, you can get very fancy about this and say uh, in the Buddhism we have a way of depersonalizing any kind of deity principle even though we practice deity yoga all the time in the, in the Tibetan tradition. But you could say that it's just uh, you're not separate from anything. So it's, so it's like uh, God but not, not God, some guy with fur on his face, not that guy. But just ultimate, the ultimate nature of this, uh, to, uh, in the, uh, the teachings is called uh, Dharmakaya or uh swabhavikaya, which is a combination of the three Kayas. Dharmakaya, uh, which other one? So. Yeah. Ramanakaya, Sambhogakaya, I think. And it's just a way of breaking it up into parts so you can get some kind of a feeling of what. Well, let's see if we take that and break it up into parts, how does it look? But then in actuality, it's not separate. But, we, but because of the nature of reality, just like the nature of uh, the uh, example I occasionally use, is it the kidney that has those little t- tiny things? Glomeruli? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. You know about those. <laughs> what do dialysis machines do with the glomeruli? No <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. I'll put that in my book. (laughs) Further question? Yes?
1: In a relationship with a teacher and trusting yourself, don't do anything unless you have to. Mm -hmm. And that activity unfolding, is there a way to recognize the difference between devotion and warfare?
0: Well, first of all, don't trust anybody. Nobody. Trust anybody. Don't don't take something that you're not sure what it is and just hey, here you, you handle it. You know, no, you use have it be a, a situation where you're actually working with if someone as your teacher, and then he she they are trying to help you work with your particular confusion or neurosis. Then give them the benefit of the doubt, and if they say do this, do this, and this, rather than say well I don't know, I think I should do this or that, then uh, 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 a good teacher. In other words, a teacher who is uh, fundamentally uh, dedicated to you, completely dedicated, never get and they'll never give up on you, no matter what. I have all kinds of students that have left me, I haven't get, given up on any of them. Some people just don't like me. I think it's my breath that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> I wish I had nice teeth like you do. I, I probably would have more students. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? I'm saying so it's it's kind of a little bit, not not all the way, but a little bit. You give them the benefit of the doubt, but if then something looks odd or something, something you're not quite getting, that your your teacher the teaching person is asking you to do this or do that, or they're, they're functioning in a way that seems like you were saying earlier about Trump Burns is crazy. Do nothing. Just continue to look at it. Continue to look at it. If, if you do nothing with it, it's probably since nothing lasts, it's probably gonna do its own pirouette. And then vanish, because if you act on it uh, based on hope and fear, like afraid that it's going to get a hold of you, or fear that you're going to miss out, and so you better do this because you're, so that's when it gets difficult more.
1: Does devotion ever look crazy?
0: All the time, it's uh, totally impractical to be devoted to anyone. Not, not, not going to be a good outcome. (laughs) 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 This is Buddhism. (laughs) This is bosom, bosom is not promising, <laughs> is. yeah, didn't I tell you that before I
1: probably was thinking of something else.
0: <laughs> I like that. I probably was too. <laughs> Did we have that conversation? I don't think so. Yes, sir.
1: How do you know if a being needs
0: saving? Uh, well, all beings need saving okay. uh, until they don't. So any being that's in front of you, uh, you just, you know, you have your, your antenna out because you've been look at your own antenna. You've been looking at yourself, watching yourself, seeing what's happening, seeing the way you just disturb your own tranquility over and over and over again. And then you meet them and you and some people actually will tell you. Uh, Some will, you have to ask, and I, anything I can do to help you? Uh, So I think it's a, there's no protocol for it other than the protocol of the the 16 precepts, which are refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha, do good, don't do harm, save all beings, and then the the 10 great precepts. So just be with all things or save all beings. Those both mean the same thing. And so just, just being there, just your presence. If you want to do something, then change your body posture. That's, that's, that's a lot. If you're right with somebody, sitting with somebody, and they're spinning around and they're having difficulty, just just being with them is powerful. Both of our therapists know this. Do we have any other therapists in the room besides Robert and Sinchen? Have any dental assistants? <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <laughs> Anything else, Dallas? I'm
1: thinking about what you said. Um, the person that's coming to my mind is my sister. She's got a personality like a bonfire, uh-huh. so it's something that you want to approach very tenuously. Yeah.
0: So even even being with her, she'll say, "Get out of here." <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know the efforts in which to uh, you know, You know, I see her go through her struggle, and I'm like, wow. That, it doesn't look appealing to me. But the things that she
1: gets up to are very appealing to her. So even just being with her is very difficult. So I'm, I'm just ruminating in what you're saying here with a person
0: okay. such as her. I'm so to return your rumination, I would say it this way. Just, to, just, just receive. Most valuable form of generosity it totally goes unnoticed most of the time. People think that it's about giving somebody something, materialism, but it's just just give everything your attention. Everything is preaching the Dharma to you all the time. Everything, every person, every ant, uh, every every uh, uh, shortwave uh, antenna. What do they call those things now? Towers with antennas in the air. Cell tower. Yeah, cell tower. Every cell tower, every piece of carpeting. Everything is is talking to you, and it's saying, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate. It's actually bad dreaming, but you have to receive just be like a a receiver. Just sit in the train station and watch the trains come and go. Don't get on, don't get off, don't don't ignore, plug your ears, receive, please do that. And you can learn, you can teach yourself how to do that by coming in, sitting down on the cushion or at home. This is easier to do it here because this is what this place is meant for. Come in, sit down, and practice this just being, just receive, just receive. And then when you go into the world, then whatever comes out of you and goes towards you will be totally in harmony with the worst dogfight. Totally in harmony. You may stop the dogfight. You may become a dog. You may become a tornado. You may, but because you're you're saving all beings, I'm not talking about martyrs that's more of a thing where there's a solid person who actually sacrifices himself or something we don't do that but there are some tales i think the jataka tales talks about the bodhisattva who sees a hungry tiger and says here eat me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks for the body <laughs> a little bit a little bit extreme but it's it's in that ancient time that that was written it's just a way of con- here's you know you really need to give yourself to others so so it didn't necessarily mean literally feed yourself to a tiger. Further questions, my darlings? Anybody, anybody that hasn't asked a question that has been tapping their foot? Pretty hard to tap their foot. Yeah, no question? <laughs> Very good, thank you
1: so much.